All right, so um, I, I love it. That I suck at planning, just for those of you who don't know. Like, I'm not the world's best, like, strategist, planner, organized Excel spreadsheet kind of guy. Um, and that's a good thing because, like, God has always got an agenda, and he always comes and sort of gets way ahead of me, which I really love. And, like, this morning I didn't plan. I couldn't have, you know. And yet he came and did something incredible. And as, in a sense, I'm, I couldn't ask for a better platform to actually start um, what I want to share on this morning than that. And so what I wanted to do a bit, you know, Brooklyn, I love you. I love this church plant. I love every single one of you guys. You are like treasure and precious to me. Um, and what I love is just this, this journey we've been on together. You know, we're, yeah, it's just God has been so alive and been doing so many beautiful things. But, you know, what is interesting is that this church plant is quite unique in that I've been in Josh Jen for a long time. I've been here probably about 12 or 13 years now. And I've been there from when we were three congregations all the way up to where we're now, like 40-something. And we planted at a, an interesting time. It was coming just out of lockdown. And we sort of planted as a very young congregation, and a lot of us are even quite young in the faith. And we've grown, and there's been life, and there have been people added in. But before lockdown, you know, we used to have a lot of time with guys like Andrew Selly and these sort of fathers in the house that, that would shape us a lot. Like, we had a lot of external input, and it was, it was incredible. And... What I've realized is that for us, some of us who you've never seen Andrew in the flesh or you've never heard some of the old stories or like all you've ever known of Josh Jen is this congregation. And that is beautiful because I love it that God has brought you and has added you to us. But one thing that I've realized is that actually we are built, this little congregation is built on a foundation that is much older than we are. And it's a foundation that Andrew has laid through the years. And it's a foundation that was laid even before Andrew's time by the Word of God and by early church leaders and sort of the early church fathers as the church grew. Like that is the foundation that we have been built on. So we're not actually just this little outpost. We're kind of the tower on an already existing building. And um, yeah, I felt like... You know, the church is a building. We're busy building something here in Brooklyn, but it might be really good to actually just go back and look at some of the foundations that we are built on as a congregation for us, but then also as a wider, like what is the foundation that we have built on as a, as a church through you know, the apostolic and guys like Andrew. And so just a quick little recap of where we've been as a local little Brooklyn congregation. We planted and for what felt like a very long time. We were just camped on this thing of the Father's heart. Like, who is God? He is our Father. He loves us. Um, you know, He's good. He's our provider and our protector and our healer. Then we kind of went on to this thing that we have, we've been added to a family. So He is the dad. We are all now the siblings in a family. He's put us into this healthy, local little family unit. Um, that as a family, we're one body, many parts, every person having unique call, and destiny and God, a unique gift to give. Um, then we moved on to identity, this idea that we're made in God's image. We were made, you know, to be like Him, to be with Him. Uh, we camped for a long time on the Holy Spirit just as a sign and a seal of the promise as the one who gives us life and brings us into life. Uh, then it was this idea of sort of abiding in Him, of living in this constant closeness with God and the Holy Spirit. Um, and then, you know, recently we started this, this thing, grappling with his word, actually reading the story of God and man from the beginning of time. And what I love is this idea that that story is not over. That story is still being written in every single one of our lives, and God is still weaving us into the story of his plan to rescue man and his love for us and his desire for a relationship with us. And then two weeks ago, Howard preached on the covenant. And man, I just want to say, like, well, I don't know how it is now, but well done. That was incredible. I did go and listen to it. Um, and it was amazing. It was such a cool picture just of this idea that, like, God has made a covenant. He's entered into an agreement with us. 
And then Anton sharing on David and just how life is like a Bible story and this unlikely character of David who God picks and chooses. And from there, our story is sort of, is carrying on. And one of the, the, you know, when we build a church, we don't just come up with some good ideas. We go back to the word of God and we look at what the early church was like, at what the apostles taught, and that is the blueprint that we use to build. And one of the big things that we've built on is this scripture, this Acts 2.42, which we're going to go to. And the older guys amongst us are like, you heard every iteration of the Acts 2.42 preach that there is. And that is amazing because there is no better foundation to kind of build on than that. Um, and, but for our newer guys, like, I don't know if any of you even know what I'm talking about when I say Acts 2.42. Like, what is the first thing that comes to mind? I see a lot of shaking heads, and that's amazing. So just a bit of background to Acts 2.42 and, and where we're at in the story of the Scripture. So Jesus has been to earth. He's now been crucified. He has died for our sins. Um, the veil has been torn, and he's now rescued us. He's gone down to hell. He's had a lack of battle with the devil. He's wrestled the keys of death and Hades away from him. And then he comes back to life. And he comes and he spends 40 days with his disciples, building into them, giving them some last instructions. And, um, and then he tells them, he's like, guys, okay, I know I died and I was like, gone for a little while and now I'm back. I'm leaving again. Okay, I've got to go. And I can imagine in that moment, the disciples are like, no, like you're the Messiah, you're, you're back, like you've got to like, do stuff now, let's go take over the world. And Jesus says, no, no, I've got to go, but it is better that I go, I need to go so that another one can come, and that person is the Holy Spirit, who, you know, we've taught into him a lot, and we've encountered him even this morning, like that, that happened here this morning, that was the Holy Spirit, the one encouraging and convicting and guiding and counseling like that is the holy spirit in action and um and so yeah the apostles they they appoint another apostle because judas died and they so they appoint another one and um then they're all kind of meeting together in this room and you can imagine they must be feeling a little bit spare they're like jesus was here now jesus has gone he literally just sailed away on a cloud like what do we now do and I can imagine there must have been a bit of fear there because Jesus has literally just gotten killed for telling everyone that he's the Messiah. Now the disciples are meeting there, and I, I mean, they're like, what do you do? Do we keep saying that? Like, we're going to get probably killed, and can we even do it? Like, all we've known is this walk with Jesus, and now he's gone. And then the Holy Spirit rocks up, and he fills this room, and these tongues of flame appear above people's heads, and everyone starts speaking in crazy languages. And... Um, yeah, they walk and they walk outside, and people think they're drunk. And uh, and Peter says, "Like guys, we're not drunk. It's like 9 a.m. You know, we're wild, but we're not that wild." And uh, and the people outside are a little bit bewildered by what they're seeing. And then Peter stands up and he actually starts to teach. It's like the first sort of real preach of the early church. And Peter stands up and he actually shows the people. He's like, "Guys, this person, this Jesus, you put to death. He is the Messiah." He was the promised one, and, and you killed him. And the people are cut. It says that they were cut to the core, and they cry out. They're like, what do we need to do to be saved? And Peter tells them that they need to repent and be baptized and believe in this Jesus. And in that moment, 3,000 are saved. It's a pretty good, like as your first preach, I feel like that's kind of what you want. You're going to be like, okay, cool. We're, we're, we're on the right track, and this Holy Spirit guy is clearly very real. Um, but that's kind of the background of the early church. It's like the Holy Spirit drops in and fills these guys with courage and with power, and suddenly all the things that Jesus has taught, the Holy Spirit makes real and calls to remembrance and reminds them of, and they preach it, and it is powerful. And then we get to this passage of Acts 2.42, and you know, Josh Jen, our like corporate identity slogan is this thing called dying to live. And it's this idea that we are laying down our lives, we are allowing ourselves to die so that Jesus can raise us up and we can be filled with life. 
But if there's a passage of scripture that we look back to as a foundation stone of this church, it is this thing of Acts 2, 42 to 47. And this is what the early church looked like after the Holy Spirit came and filled them. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all of the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That is what we want to look like as a church. But, interestingly, we've been hunting Acts 2.42 since I've joined this church. On our last elders camp, someone actually stood up and said, you know what, that's not how you build a healthy church. That is the symptom and the outworking of a healthy, spirit-filled New Testament church. If you're a healthy, spiritful New Testament church, you'll look like that. And I want to talk a bit about this word devotion. Like, what does it mean? And before I even start, I want you to know that I am not preaching at you in this. I am preaching to me because, man, I've got to bring myself back to this all the time. And, um, you know, devotion is interesting. Devotion is so many definitions, is, and it encompasses so many things. And, you know, like I'm a devoted husband to my wife. That means many things. It means I'm there, you know, that I love her, that I serve her, that I love and serve her only. You know, I have like one woman that I've given my heart and my life and my body and my affections to. There's this exclusivity to devotion. Um, but I can be exclusive to her without being devoted to her. I can be very committed to her and that I come home every day and I'm there by 5.15 and I, you know, don't go out with the boys. I'm home with my wife and, you know, I'm there. But I can do that without being devoted. I can attend her. I can be around her. I can, you know, do all the things that she wants me to do because it's easy and, you know, if I do them, things will be a lot smoother. But that's not necessarily devotion. The thing is, though, that out of devotion to her, I am committed to her. And I am exclusive to her. And I am with her and I attend her. But they're not the same thing. And Christine gave me an epic line last night, which I'm going to use. And it's that devotion and religion look the same from the outside. They really do. They do all the same things. But the heart, what's behind it, is very, very different. And so, a definition for devotion. So these are the top three on Google. It's the act of dedicating something to a cause, enterprise, or activity. It's the fact or state of being ardently dedicated and loyal. But this is my favorite one. It's the act of placing someone or something above one's own preferences, desires, and priorities. Dying to live. You first, then me. But it's not just an external action. It's a condition of the heart. And so, you know, before we dive into devotion, I want to backtrack two weeks quickly. Howard's Preach on the covenant. Okay, I want to quickly ask you guys a little trick question. See who's got the answer here. Blood is thicker than water. What does it mean? Anyone? Give me an answer. Family before others. Okay. Can I tell you that that quote is wrong? I love learning new things. Okay, I mostly love learning that the thing I think I know is wrong. So the full quote, that full little proverb, is that the blood of the covenant is thicker 
than the water of the womb. So what that means is that the commitment I make to you carries more weight than the fact that I was born from the same mother as someone else. It means the exact opposite of what you think it means. So if you're here, right, and you've joined us, you are in a covenantal relationship with us. That means that the blood of the covenant we have entered into is thicker than the water of the womb. You are closer as a brother to me and my own flesh and blood. Okay? It's good. Andre, I see some tears there, but I'm liking it. But you know, it was so sad. This week in Com, we were all chatting about like what we learned this week. And one of the girls shared, she said this thing, like, I learned this week that those who say they're your family are often not. And I sat there and I was so sad because I know what that feels like. Like, I've been there. But another part of me was like, you know what? The beautiful truth of it is that the blood of the covenant you've made with us, the fact that you're part of our family, that means more than any external family. And so if you are here, you are blood to me, okay? If you have joined to us, you are blood to me. You are family to me. One week back, Anton preached on David. Now, life is like a Bible story, and it is. We are still being written into the story. And I love the story of David because he was the super marginalized, overlooked, like rant of the litter. No one ever thought he should be there. Um, if anyone should have had a cause for inadequacy, like we spoke about this morning, it was David. Like, he wasn't even called to the meetings. He was the little skippy who had to take lunch to his brothers while they were all fighting battles. He was really, like, he was the overlooked guy. And we all love that story because there's something that resonates with us. And we're like, yeah, you know, and then he became king. And like, it's such a cool, like redemption story. And that's the beauty of hindsight. I love those stories because you look back and you're like, yeah, that's amazing. I wonder how David felt in those moments. You think he saw the promise and call of God on his life? Like a prophet had come and told him. I would have been like, if someone tells me that I'm going to be like king in front of all my family, I'm going to be like, you all better start respecting me around here. Okay, and yet that doesn't happen. Everyone's like, okay, whatever, dude, go take lunch to your brothers. Um, and the beauty of hindsight is that we can see how the whole story works out. But how many of you sitting here, you're like, yeah, I actually don't know if I'm called. I don't know if God's got any real purpose for me in this family. And you're part of this family. Like, uh, if I need to hit that covenant thing again, I will. But if you've joined us, you are a part of the family. And every part of the family has got a role and a purpose and something to fulfill. It's one body with many parts. Imagine having like a body with a thumb and then your thumb just doesn't rock up one day. Okay, like it doesn't help you very much if it's not actually a part of you. Um, and so even know this, like the story of David Looking back, like we see how he was plugged in and what the purposes of God were for him. There's going to come a day when you will look back on your life and you will see the purposes of God in your life. And that there was one is the important fact. Okay, so when we start talking about this thing of Acts 2.42, know that you have got a purpose and a role and weight and that you're a part of us as blood, as family. And so I want to dive into this thing of devotion, but I'm so scared. We, we love like getting stuff done. We love being successful at what we do. So I'm going to talk about devotion. And the thing I don't want you to do is just start doing stuff so that it looks like you are devoted. I'm not this morning after a tick the box, follow the script do the thing I'm asking you to do. I don't, that's religion. And one of the big prophetic words over this congregation when we planted was that we were going to bring dead religion back to life. And I love it because we're pretty much in one of the most religious settings I think you could get as a, as a venue. And so commitment is not devotion. Attendance is not devotion. It's not external action. It's a condition of the heart that then causes something to come out of you. And there's a lot of things we do quite deliberately. We very deliberately push this thing that they are not the worship team. They are 
the gifted worship leader facilitators. We are the worship team. I am not Josh in Brooklyn. Really? I'm not. In fact, if I read the word of God correctly, I'm the lowest. Yeah. I should have the lowest position. I'm here to actually serve you. And so I have a big surprise revelation for you. You are the church. You are Josh Jen Brooklyn. You are God's plan for our neighborhood. And while I love the fact that we have outside teams coming in to help us and to sow into us and to blow wind into us and give us momentum, they're Josh Jen Edgemead. That is where they are called and planted and where they have their purpose. You are Josh Jen Brooklyn. So what we've started to feel is like there's a little bit of this mindset starting to creep in that like we're kind of just here doing our thing and we're, we're kind of waiting for something to happen from, from outside. Like, I don't know, maybe someone's going to come and like do something and, and make something happen in this neighborhood. What scares me is that might happen because my heart is that I want that to be us. I want to be what comes in and make something happen in Brooklyn because it's something that God has entrusted us with. And one of the things I most love about this congregation is how very different and diverse we are. I love how different you guys are from me and from what I know and how I grew up and where I grew up and what my family even looks like because you have challenged me and shaped me and I have seen so much more of Jesus in you. I've seen the Holy Spirit work in you. And I've had this greater revelation of who God is because you changed me. You know, the word says that iron sharpens iron. I am iron and so are you. And every single one of you have shaped and changed me. I loved it the other night. Someone in community, like someone new actually said to me, like, I did something that offended them. And I was like, I love that. I was like, man, I'm so... Sorry, and I'm so glad actually that, that you helped me to be better and to understand and to love you better and to sort of be a better like, shepherd. It was beautiful. It was such a great moment. It was like it was incredible. But um, yeah, this thing of, of devotion. You guys have taught me a lot what devotion looks like. The Kensington boys, where are you guys? I Google Maps it just to check. You guys walk 5.1 kilometers to church every day. And you walk 5.1 kilometers home. Yeah, come on. Can I tell you guys, and, and I'm being honest here, before I met you, if I was at home and I got into my car and I started it and it didn't work, I would have phoned someone and said, hey, Oak, sorry, I can't make it to church today. My car's broken down. It would never have occurred to me to walk five kilometers to church. Really? And you have changed me. I'm like, no, no, that is what devotion to a meeting looks like. It's like, no, I'm going to walk. And you do it. And better yet, I've seen your ex do it in rain. I've seen you guys come in that back door dripping. And I'm like, that is devotion. Jesus, help me to have that kind of devotion in my heart. And I love it. And it's beautiful. But you know, what I love is that you are holding this meeting above your own preferences and your own desires and your own priorities. You're actually, there's a long way to walk. And you're saying, yeah, it is. But man, what God has got for me there is more important than what I want to do right now. So although this is not my preference, I'm all in and I'm going. And you guys are here and you're consistent and it's incredible. And like, to me, like you have changed me. And I think you've blessed the heart of Jesus. Well done. But that's what devotion looks like. You know? And so as a body, you are teaching me about devotion. And the beautiful thing about being a body is that I can teach you 
about devotion. Because you have strengths and an ability to do this in a beautiful way, in ways that I don't. And I too have got ways to dive and teach into this devotion thing that maybe you don't have. And so some of the things I wanted to just jump into on this idea of devotion is, you know, are you devoted to the apostles' teaching? So that's what the early church looked like. They were devoted to the teaching of the apostles. So you know what that means? It means that as Andrew sets doctrine in this church, and as he delegates authority down to me to teach and to train you, are you devoting yourself to it in that you are listening to it? You are committing to it. You are allowing it to shape and change you above maybe even what your own preferences, priorities, or desires are. Or your cultures, or your backgrounds, or your languages. Are you allowing it to actually change and shape you as something that supersedes maybe what you feel? In terms of devoting yourselves to teaching, are you being quick to learn? So if I or Anton or Howard or any of the other leaders or anyone I delegate authority to to teach, are you being quick to learn? Or are we having to circle the same thing again and again? And that's in terms of doctrine, the Word of God, but also as a family, as culture, as how we build and what we're building. Are we taking the stuff and owning it? And Taking it deep. Where's Kevin? You've taught me what it looks like to be teachable. I thought I was teachable, then I met you. And dude, we have had some hard, tough conversations. And you are a man who's got an incredible gift in yourself, and you carry an incredible authority in yourself, and just a lot of skill. And you could do many things without me. And yet, your heart's posture is continuously, okay, I'll go down. I'll be taught. And I've asked you some hard things, and you've done them. And you've done them well. Well done. I'm challenged by you. I'm like, Jesus, I need to be that teachable. That's what it looks like. You've set for me an example and a model. And now I'm trying to emulate and imitate that in how I submit to other men and allow them to teach and shape me. But that is devotion. And it's beautiful. So some of the little things on devotion that I want to just hit on this morning and please, as I say this, like I've just listed two instances where you guys have massively cha- shaped and changed my revelation on this thing. And I want to invite you, I'm telling you now to keep do this, doing this. I am not up here in this kind of perfect, unassailable position. If I was, I'd stand up there on the wooden fort where no one can reach me. But guys, I too am a disciple. I too am someone learning to follow Jesus and being shaped by him. And I want to actually say to you, I'm opening myself up now to you. If you think I need to change or be corrected or there's something I'm doing badly or could just do better, please come and tell me. I loved it when someone did it to me on Wednesday. I was like, yes, I see it. As she said, as this person, I saw it. I was like, oh yeah, Flip, I did that. That's actually bad. I need to do that better. And I loved it. And I'm inviting you now to do it. We'll see who's like about to stand up there. I love it, bro. So, devotion to fellowship, right, for us. You guys will walk 5.1Ks to be here, and that's incredible. And, man, we've never wanted to build this, like, religious mindset of, like, just be here by nine otherwise, you know. But where we can, can we be here on time? And when we can't, out of consideration to the fellowship and to the family and to the fact that actually... We love each other and we're looking out for each other and we all want to be here. Let me know when you can't. Don't just not pitch. Because as a pastor and as a guy who loves you, when you're not here, honestly, I'm like, man, are they okay? Like, what happened? Oh, you're right. Because I know your hearts are so dedicated and that you love 
being here, like my first thought is, man, is everyone okay? To have the peace of mind of like, hey, man, I just couldn't make it today because, you know, I had to work. And I know the realities of your lives. Like I can't, it's, I don't have this cookie cutter mentality that, you know, we can apply to everyone. I know, like sometimes it happens that you just got to work on a Sunday or you don't eat. That's a reality. And that's okay. But man, it helps me when I know. You guys have taught me what a glad and sincere heart looks like. Let me tell you, the Brooklyn and Kensington guys, me with the life I have, I look at your capacity for joy and I want to get on my knees and say, Jesus, I'm a brat. Because I am. Because the kind of stuff I stress about, the kind of things that can rob me of joy, is what most of your lives look like, often. And yet, you are so full of joy, so full of wonder at who Jesus is, so full of love, so quick just to be involved and like full of life. And let me tell you, if I faced what many of you face, I would probably just be this depressed, weeping wreck a lot of the time because, yeah, I just, I don't know. I've never had to face a lot of that stuff. And so you have taught me what devotion to joy and to like sincere and earnest fellowship looks like. And it is beautiful, man. Can I teach you what devotion in worship looks like? That same joy you feel in the face of hardship, apply that hard attitude when you're worshiping God. Because let me tell you, and I'll... I'll set myself out here as an example, right? You will always see me at front, and I'm always worshiping hard. Okay. I'm going to shock you a little bit here. I don't always feel like it. Okay. There are many mornings where I get you, and I don't know why, but I just don't sleep on Sunday nights, and I'm usually awake from like 3 o'clock because for some reason the Lord just likes to do that to me. And um, I'm often feeling like a bit tired and, you know, Weekends can be busy, but man, I get you, and I know who Jesus is. I remember Silo's favorite phrase of mine, I was a skabenga. I was such a wreck of a human being. Like, my life was trash, guys, and I wasn't much better. And the Lord rescued me, man, and he healed me, and he's done an incredible work in me, and now I live like a beautiful life that I should not even nearly have. And out of that, my heart is always like, God, I know who you are, and I've seen the things you've done. And man, regardless of how I feel, I want to worship you flat out from the start. And so you've got something that I want to get, which is how to be joyful in the face of hardship. Can I challenge you to stretch yourself to worship God out of a revelation of who he is and out of, not out of how you feel? Because you'll even see it in us as a little pattern. This morning was great, by the way. You guys were in worship and like mostly everyone was charging hard and it's beautiful. But the last little while, generally, it's been we start worship and for like 15 minutes it feels like this wrestle punch through to get going. And then we'll play He's Gotta Your Back and everybody is like flat out and like, and I love that song, and it's a beautiful song, and it speaks actually of what Jesus is like and his power, and like that's amazing. But could we hold that knowledge in our hearts and worship from that position and not wait for the song to come up on the screen before doing it? Is that okay? Like I'm not, yeah, I don't want to, I'm not trying to like come down on anyone here. I'm just, I'm trying to challenge us that maybe, maybe we are committed but not devoted. Maybe we're attending but aren't devoted. And I feel like this is what the church looked like. Out of their devotion, there was awe, there was wonder, there were signs performed by the apostles. The believers were together, having everything in common, breaking bread, eating together with glad and sincere hearts. Man, I want us to look like that. You guys have taught me what faith looks like. I thought I trusted Jesus until I started chatting to some of you. I don't 
think I trust Jesus as much as some of you do. Because I've got some fallback plans. Yes, I'm so challenged to get rid of my fallback plans and just trust Jesus the way you do. I've learned what real faith looks like. Can I teach you what devotion to prayer looks like? When we get together and pray before a meeting, is it the same three or four voices every Sunday praying? I keep saying this, and I love saying it because it's true. I don't have any greater ability to hear God than you do. I really don't. I don't have some secret trick. I don't have like a different SIM card, data plan. I'm in the same boat as you, man. And a lot of the time for me, even, I'm risking it. I'm like, Lord, I think I've heard you. Like, yo, I'm a little bit nervous, but I think I've heard you. Okay, I'm going to be faithful with what I think you're asking me to do, and I'll pray something or say something. It's scary, and I get it wrong, and so can you. Let me tell you now, if you come up with a prophetic word and it's totally wrong, or you want to pray something and it's way off, that's so fine. I'm so proud of you for trying, so proud of your courage. And can I tell you, that's how I learned. I learned to hear the Word of God and to hear Him on timing and to start to understand how these things work by getting it wrong a lot. I'd be like, man, I'm feeling this. And the guy would be like, no, dude, you're, not, you're definitely not feeling that. Um, I'd be like, I'm feeling this. And the guy's like, cool, that's, that's good. Maybe like emphasize this part, cut that part. And I'm like, whoa, I heard, like I heard Jesus. How many of you this morning coming up sharing words, you weren't sure like if this is what God wants to do. And yet he wove and spoke a beautiful story that actually brought us into an incredible place of life. And so with the prayer meetings, can we be quick to pray? Even if it's one word. Like I'll give you a little cheat, right? A thank you is always a great way to pray for a meeting. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm alive. Amen. That's cool. And like, really, thank you, Jesus, that I'm alive. Because that in itself is a miracle and like, but it builds so much faith in the rest of us when we all pray together. There's something about that unity of praying that just brings so much life to us. And what's beautiful about this is that we have all got something to teach each other. We are all in some way going to affect and shape each other as together we learn to be a devoted people. The best of all is that out of all of that, the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. If we look back over our little plant, you notice when we first planted, there were a lot of people coming, there were a lot of salvations, a lot of incredible life happening, because we were very devoted, because we had to be. It's like, it was us. We were like... 20-odd people who planted this congregation. None of us knew what we were doing. We were all hands on deck, plowed in. And there was also, there is the reality of like a new thing always has its own energy and, you know, there's momentum and you kind of, you start with a bang. But man, can we not fizzle out? I think maybe we've lost a little bit of devotion in our hearts. Maybe that's not why we're seeing daily those being added who are getting saved. And don't get me wrong, like there's still a lot of life and there are still people coming and we're still growing. And importantly to me, we're growing in depth of relationship with God and in health. So I'm not after numbers. That is not how I or anyone measures the success of a church or of a meeting because I can get numbers easily. I'll start buying some voice outside. We'll have a hundred oaks here quickly. Okay, it's easy to get numbers. Disciples is hard. And to so many of you, well done. Like you have stuck and dug in and opened yourselves up to us and allowed us to work and shape and change you. And you have worked and shaped and changed me. And it's beautiful. And I thank you. Can we not lose our devotion? Those of you who are 
the older brothers who've been around for a while, like Kevin, Anton, Silo, Jono, like the guys who've been with us for a while. Like you're the older brothers. You have this DNA in you. Like build it into those under you. Build it into your friends and those around you. Like you be the champions of that thing. Look at your own hearts and be like, am I devoted? If not, Jesus, give me the revelation I need to become devoted. And then teach that to the others. You know, and let's bring everyone with us because we are building a church. We are not here just for the sake of a Sunday meeting and like little Brooklyn. We're called to more. Love to see like Andre preaching in the Isle of Man. Serious. Silo. Dude, you got a gift for pulling people. Love to see you go to Brazil and like show them what love and devotion to Jesus looks like. Like we're here, we're called to so much more. Ezekiel, that prophetic gift of yours, dude. That thing can turn a nation on its head. But I feel like before we can move into that, we've got to get past this. It's like we can't graduate into more until we've been faithful with what we do have. And like I said at the start, no one is going to come from the outside and do this. There's no like rescue party coming. It's like we are it. We are Josh Jen Brooklyn. You are Josh Jen Brooklyn. I cannot do this without you. Really can't. I'm like not even nearly skilled enough. But importantly, I don't want to. And I would love to see you even overtake me, lead something bigger, plant out of here and go and take over an entire city. But it starts with the devotion. And here's the thing which I want to iterate again. Please don't just start doing this stuff. Okay. Because devotion and religion... They can look the same. I'm not going to know what's in your heart. You will. But ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Ask him to show you where maybe you're not devoted. And even if you are devoted, what helps a lot is that we are so different in our cultures and backgrounds and like what matters to who. And so even some of the things like you say you're going to be there, be there. Also be there when you say you're going to be there. Like, that's a big one. That helps us so much as a family, as a, like, we know that we can be reliable and trustworthy. Like, it helps, it makes it easier to plan. Like, we know if we're all going to leave here at a certain time to be there at a certain time, we can do that. Because, like, the reality of our congregation as well is that logistics is often quite a big part of what takes up our time and energy and getting around and stuff. So that's a super helpful thing. But if I'm being too uptight about something... Come and tell me. Adam, relax. You're losing your joy in the face of hardship. And I'm serious. I'm opening that door. Do it. But we are in this together. We are the little Brooklyn ship sailing off into the night amongst another big fleet of ships. I don't know where that analogy is going, so I'm going to abandon it. Um, but you know what I, did, what I do want to do? Um, I feel like we need to respond, but here's the thing. Please don't just stand up because everyone else is standing up. Please don't stand up because you think I'm watching you. Because actually devotion is pretty serious. When I tell my wife I'm devoted her, to her, that means something. And it creates an expectation in her that I have to fulfill. And as I said, you can stand up. And it can either be religion or it can be devotion. I won't know. But Jesus will. And so, if you do stand there, I'm going to take that as a sign of commitment and I'm going to hold you to it. And when we do this, guys, 
if you're part of this, be prepared to be corrected. If you're part of this congregation, as I am prepared to be corrected, and I am often. There are a lot of guys who talk to me, and I love it. Guys often come up to me and be like, bro, that was so great, but God, that one thing wasn't the best. I love that, man, because I'm not special. So please keep doing it. I'm opening myself up to correction by you guys. But know that if you commit to this, if you are cutting covenant with us on this, that I'll hold you to it as you can hold me to it. And if I ever help us or lead us to start not looking like this, like Acts 2.42, you come to me and you tell me because I don't want to miss this. So, if you want to do this, if you want to become a devoted people and posture your hearts in a position of devotion to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to this family, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, Take a moment and close your eyes, and between you and God, you decide if this is something you actually want to give yourself to. And if you do, I actually just want to feel like we need to maybe let the weight of this even settle a bit, and just, just take a few minutes and decide in your heart if you even can commit to this. If you want to give yourself in devotion to this fellowship, I'm going to ask you to stand now. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we don't know how even to do this. And even as I've preached this this morning, I'm aware that in my heart there are parts of me that are not fully devoted. And I don't quite know how to get in there and change them. Yeah, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and would work in me and in us and in our hearts. You even show us the parts of ourselves that are not devoted to the things that are important to you to the parts of ourselves that we are not giving over, Jesus, to the things that we are holding in higher priority to you, where our preferences or attitudes or cultures or circumstances carry more weight than what you're asking us to do. Come and show us that stuff, Jesus. And then just help us to change. Even as we repent of it now, Lord, would you come and just help us to change and to walk into life in these areas, to actually to die in these areas and allow your life to come in and raise them up again. Yeah, let's take a few minutes and actually just between you and God, like just spend a few minutes asking him even to show you the areas where you've maybe not lived devotedly to the things that matter to him and just repent of it and I love that story in Acts the people were cut to the heart and they said like what do we need to do and Peter just says repent and be saved so just for a few minutes do that and just as he just as the Holy Spirit puts his finger on stuff let's just repent of that Allow ourselves to walk into more. So let me give us just like a minute of just quiet for us to do that. Yeah, thank you, Lord, for your kindness to us, even to convict us and correct us. 
at times, that it is your kindness to bring us into relationship and reconciliation with you and into just a place of life where we start to look like what you've called us to be. Yeah, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd, you'd just help us to keep growing in these areas, man. Just, and even as we keep like learning and where we get it wrong, that you just thank you that in your kindness you come and you point that out to us so we can change and be more like you, that we can look more like the church that you've called us to be. Yeah, thank you, Lord, that this is not condemnation. This is not a heavy. This is not like that we suck at anything. This is that, man, we are called to something. And that you want to see us get there. And this is how we do it. So, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you even for this morning that you've been here, that you've been just speaking to us and breathing life into us again and just calibrating us again to what matters to you and to your heart. And I pray this work would be ongoing, Lord. Like there will be more stuff. Sure there will. And as it comes up, Lord, that you'd help us to deal with it. That as a body, you'd even guard our unity. That as we call this stuff out in, in each other at times, Lord, that you would, you would always just be couched in love. That we would correct the way you correct, Lord, in love and to bring us into restoration and wholeness. Pray you'd guard us against offense, Jesus. Guard us against disunity. Pray that the unity we have would just be protected and close and precious and that these relationships that we have as a body and a family, Jesus, would grow ever deeper, that the blood of the covenant that we've entered into with you would be thick. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you just for your love. Love you, Jesus. Amen. So guys, maybe just a few practical handles going forward for us that would be cool. And again, this is not like law or religion, but it is a very special time to get together and pray before the service. I want to say that is not a must, okay? I'm not putting that out there as a law or like directive statement, but if you would like to, we do pray before the service and it's very, very special time. And also kind of gives you the inside track onto what God's going to do. So great little cheat there. Um, I think communication is something as a family we need to work on a lot better. So just that thing of like when we can't be at places to let people know, when we're running late, like let's let each other know, just out of love and respect for each other. Um, yeah, even like the lifts stuff. Let's try and like plan ahead, work ahead, help each other, chat to each other. Yeah, man, if there are areas and stuff where you see we need to do better, change, please. Like this door's wide, wide open. Okay. And if I have, you're feeling bruised. Like that is not the heart this morning. That is not the intention at all. If you are, please come talk to me. Um, this is not at all about trying to lay down like regulations or anything. This is like we are called to match life. And uh, yeah, so if I have hurt you, please like come and talk to me, man. I'm, it's really not my heart. Yeah, other than that, if you guys have ideas and input and stuff on how we do this better, where we can grow, please come, man. Awesome. Love you guys.